Welcome, everybody. It's another broadcast of the Hollywood Godfather that happens to be named after our book that's in its. Wow. You know, I didn't know that. And it's been, as you know, a bestseller, fortunately. And, that and, I know. And keep yes. selling. And one of the top subject matters of our book and a, a background and also the core of our next book is about something that Pat watched. I refuse to watch it because it's too sensitive for me because of my relationship. So, Pat, I'm going to introduce you. You introduce what you just saw on television and why it's so important to you and I. Pat okay, well, good evening, everybody. How nice of you to listen in. Anyway, the death of Marilyn Monroe, we don't have to explain who she is because if you don't know who she is, you got problems. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the death of Mal Monroe has always been uh, a topic for conversation since the day she died, and it, it, it continues to escalate. You know, Mal Monroe uh, died in 1962, and she's just as famous, if not more famous today, than she was when she was alive. Uh, the, the same could be said about Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson, but she is a a a an icon and she's never going away however uh people didn't know back then about her secret life her her personal life uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about is already historical fact but we're going to talk about the day she died and just prior to it and perhaps why she died and at the end of tonight's show we're going to talk about for the first time in public. Johnny and I have been investigating this case for close to four years, and we have come up with information that has never before been released to the public. You are hearing this first, and you will be hearing it again because the uh, the news media will s somehow get a hold of this. Because as I said, this is a, a new witness. I got it from a living person. I'm going to withhold that person's name. But uh, uh, anyway, I, I don't want to go, go too far afield. Mal Monroe died in August of 1962. She was world famous uh, at, at that time. She was considered the, uh, the most uh, uh, famous celebrity in the world. Everybody knew who Mal Monroe was. What wasn't known back then and what is known now is that she... Uh, was uh, seeing John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, his brother, at the same time. She was having sex with both of them, and she was being used. And at this time in her life, she came to realize it, uh, and she, uh, uh, she spoke to a lot of people, and people, her friends that, uh, that were very close to her, uh, had stories to tell, but never told them until a guy by the name of Anthony Summers, he's a British gentleman, came along in 1982. And that's an important date because the L.A. District Attorney reopened the case uh, involving her death in 1982. And uh, 
he thought this would make uh, an uh, enduring story, and he was right. He audiotaped all his interviews. He's got 84 cassette tapes, hundreds of hours of audio tape on the people who were closest to Marilyn, uh, most of whom nobody ever heard of. Uh, these were not other celebrities who will, uh, uh, you know, if they're, if they're interviewed about a, a, a case like this or this case, they're going to say what's in their best interest. The people who are on this documentary, which is on Netflix, by the way, and it's called Mal Monroe, The Unheard Tapes, uh, are just average people who were involved in her life, her housekeeper, her psychiatrist, et cetera, close friends. He gathered all these tapes, and you hear on this documentary verbatim what they had to say in answer to Anthony Summers' questions. And the way they did it, which I thought was interesting, they had actors portray these people, but they lip-synced perfectly what was on these audio tapes. So you think that you're listening to the, to the real person. Most of these people aren't with us anymore. This is a long time ago. Uh, and it was done very well. And I'm not a big fan of documentaries because most documentaries, if not all of them, are for entertainment purposes. They have uh, an agenda. They, they can't leave you hanging. They, uh, documentaries don't want to leave you with, uh, now you have all the facts, you figure it out. These uh, documentaries have an agenda. They have uh, evidence one-sided they very rarely ever tell you the other side because once again this is entertainment you're, you're trying to squeeze a, uh, an investigation that can go on for years into an hour it was very difficult so i i looked at this documentary it was sort of a jaundiced eye because johnny and I, I spoke about it he was very uh involved with uh, uh with marilyn and he didn't want to uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to watch. It. And uh, truthfully, I don't blame him. So it was my job to watch it, and you know we'll be talking about it tonight. But it happened uh, August fifth, nineteen sixty-two. She had. Uh, this was a hard time in her life. She was heavily into pills, amphetamines uh, mostly. She was drinking, and she realized that you know she finally realized that she was passed around between the two Kennedy brothers, and she just couldn't take it anymore. She was tired of, as she, uh, this, this was a, a quote from the tape. I'm tired of being passed around. I'm tired of being a piece of meat. And she uttered the magic words, I'm going to go to the media. Uh, and we talked about some of this in the book Johnny and I wrote, but this is from a different point of view. And this is the exact day she died. What we discussed in our book was the days preceding her death in uh, a resort called Calneva. How when she was saying the exact same thing, what is uh, unearthed in this documentary supports our uh, writing in Gianni's book. So uh, anybody who's uh, who's thinking, you know, where uh, how could this information be verified? Well, it is verified because it's on tape. And if you haven't listened or seen, I should say, the documentary, you should give it a shot. Anyway, so here we are, August fifth, nineteen sixty-two, Mal Monroe's housekeeper comes to the uh, to the house a regular scheduled a tour of duty or whatever else you want to put I guess that's the cop in me uh, she arrives at about 3.30 in the afternoon now you have to keep track of these times because they're crucial so uh, she gets no answer to the door she's uh, looking in, in the window uh, long story short she sees her she sees Marilyn's face down on her bed 
she winds up calling. Uh, uh, she, she didn't call the police right away. She called her uh, uh, Maryland psychiatrist, a guy by the name of Arthur Greenson, G-R-E-E-N-S-O-N, who, who came over to the house. He arrives uh, about a half an hour later. So now we're on about 4 o'clock, maybe 4.30. And uh, he looks at her, declares her, her dead. And uh, that's the official story. They, they called an ambulance. Of course, whenever there's a, uh, somebody dies alone, and this is in any police jurisdiction, no matter how famous you are, no matter if you drop dead of a heart attack, it doesn't make a difference. If you die alone, the police are always called. So the police show up, and uh, the story, the, the public story, is that she was put, uh, she was dead and put in an ambulance and t- taken to St. John's Hospital. So enter Anthony Summers, the, uh, the journalist, in 1982 uh, during the, uh, the, uh, the LA District Attorney's reopening of the case. And it was reopened because uh, she was a celebrity. There's a lot of conjecture as to how she died. So uh, there was a lot of political pressure to reopen it, and, and they did. But he wants to get all the facts. He listens to the uh, t- to the story. He does research on the official story. But here's what he discovered. Uh, Arthur Jacobs, who was her, her publicist, was at the house uh, between 1030 and 11 a.m. that morning. Now, don't forget, she was already uh, 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 she was she was dead at 330 in the afternoon. That was the first time anybody found her and she was gone well he shows up at 11 o'clock in the morning and finds her dead he was unsure at the time if i recall the documentary right about 11 30 could have been a little earlier so now we have a, a, a many hour discrepancy in the time well he discovers her she's still alive barely holding on uh barely has a heartbeat they now, call the, the, this the publicist yes the publicist arthur jacobs so he He's found there. a Hours before the maid did. Yeah, but she's not dead. She's alive. I'm saying. Yeah, I wait uh, four hours before the, the the maid discovered her, which was this is that story for the public was entirely fabricated. And there's so many witnesses here, and, and we'll go through it. Okay, uh, uh, and uh, an ambulance driver uh, by the name of Ken Hunter was interviewed by Anthony Summers. And he said, as he arrived at the house in the morning, he had his logs there. It was at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, whatever it was. The times aren't that important for the purposes of this podcast, save for the fact it was four hours before she was allegedly found dead. She was very much alive. He has it in his logs that it was a you know blonde woman, 36 years old, description, uh, name Mal Monroe, put in an ambulance alive rushing to St. John's Hospital, she dies on the way to the hospital. They turn the ambulance around. He was told by the publicist to turn the ambulance around, take the body back to the house, which is what they did. And now they start to cook up the story uh, that she was found much later. And why would they do that? Because Robert Kennedy was there that morning. And if you listen to the uh, to the uh, witnesses who, who, who were there, who, who saw him go in, heard tremendous arguing, Secret Service waited outside, and he left. 
Now, the woman's dead, and Robert Kennedy was there at the time she died. There was a cover-up. And he had to leave and separate himself as much as he could from the fact that he was in that in her house, and uh, I believe she lived in Brentwood. Well, uh, let, let me inter- let me interject something here, because sure. as I and I didn't watch the documentary, but the original story, Robert Kennedy said he wasn't even in California. Well, what's he going to say? No, I'm just letting the audience know I'm playing devil's advocate. Well. It, it was found out later, and this is also a historical fact, that he was in California, San Francisco, and L.A. But the L.A. part was after she died, and the San Francisco part was before she died. But San Francisco was a hell of a trip from Los Angeles. Yeah, so he couldn't very well dis- uh, disguise the fact that he was in California. I mean, there's uh, airline records, flight records, uh, flight plans. Uh, you know, the, the Secret Service keeps scrupulous notes. So th- they, they, they couldn't say that he wasn't in California, but they're not going to... Uh, uh, support the fact that he was in the uh, in, in Marilyn's house, and they had uh, a very vocal argument. He leaves, and 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 she's dead. Uh, and this is the part that that really amazed me. On on their way to the hospital, she passes away. They they turn the ambulance around because the timeline had to be interrupted because Robert Kennedy just left. So they had to wait until it was, uh, 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 if he was ever found out to be in the house, which they weren't going to admit to, at least it was, there was a, a, a four-hour space and time between the time he was there and the time she died. So anyway, I have to refer to my notes here. Uh, so Eunice Murray, who was the, the housekeeper, gave her statement that the body was found at, uh, at about 3.30 in the afternoon. And till the day she died, she stuck with it. Wow. Now there was, but there, so there's a four-hour gap. Yeah, you know, you know, he also interviewed the helicopter pilot, who uh, who confirms that uh, Robert Kennedy was in Los Angeles at the time she died. Now the FBI interviewed him, the Secret Service interviewed him, but these uh, these statements were never released to the public until Anthony Summers got a hold of them. However, they were not released at the time of the uh, DA's reopening of the case. They were released for the first time ever on this Netflix documentary. Wow. Yeah. So basically, then, what I, my theory and our theory in our book, the way we said it, is perfectly what we said it is. Well, that, in fact, you, 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 you quoted her practically. Uh, you know, this was a, a few days before she died, and when she starts, she's up at the at the Calneva. Well, you want to tell the listeners what Calneva is and where it is? If you were there, yeah. Well, Calneva is a resort that they had a meeting arranged for Marilyn, and she went, and I was supposed to be the eyes and ears for Mr. Frank Costello, also was Sam Giancana, who was the eyes and ears for Mr. Tony Accardo who was the boss of Chicago, and Frank Sinatra was going to orchestrate this and was his duty to do so because early on during the primary, Frank Sinatra said, I can control John F. Kennedy, and if he becomes president, there'll be no problems. Well, unbeknownst to the world, he became president. Unbeknownst to the world, he... 
assigned his brother or appointed his brother as attorney general, which immediately Joe Kennedy got calls from every major organization that backed his brother saying, you got to stop that. This is ridiculous. Because unbeknownst to our audience, for the people who do not listen to the show on a regular basis, the deal for the Kennedys to get the mob and all the union bosses to back their candidate, who happens to be Joe's son, John F. Kennedy, who was a senator, if he got in, they would invade Cuba and give him all the casinos back. That's the only reason the mob did it. It was always about money. And they didn't care who's president. They controlled Truman. They controlled so many presidents prior to this and after it. So when he got in and put his brother in place, his brother hated everything his father represented, hated everything his brother represented, and he was going to be the righteous one to turn this around, and he convinced his brother that there were no Russian missiles, as they said that Fidel Castro was in cahoots, and there was no reason to attack Fidel Castro. So with this, this is why... Everybody now is up in arms, and she, to say that she was going to go public, now you can imagine, here's a lady who has no control at all, and then they start saying rumors like they said, I heard in this Netflix, that because of pillow talk, and she may go to the Russians with what she knows, and I mean, they, they created such a myth out of this now. They just embellished it even more. Am I right so far, Pat? With, with, yeah, you know... I don't care who you are, the president of the United States, about to become the president of the United States, you're in bed with Marilyn Monroe, and afterward, you're going to start talking. You know, you, you want to impress her, whatever you do. She heard things about the uh, nuclear armaments. She heard stuff about Cuba. These are all top-secret conversations that he's not supposed to share with anybody, between him and his brother. So something had to be done here. So, you know, you have to, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into a, uh, a, a private investigator that they hired in a minute, but when People wonder about who, if she was killed, who killed her? And right away, uh, the conspiracy theorists, uh, their, their, their primary thought is, well, it's got to be the mafia because they kill people all the time anyway. You have to ask yourself, why would they kill her? Why would they extend themselves to, to protect the Kennedys? At that point, John Kennedy was not keeping his promise that he was going to lay off the mafia. He had appointed his brother attorney general. Why would they help the Kennedys at this point to hide anything? So even if they were approached, they probably laughed at them and said, you made this mess, you clean it up. Well, I'm one person that was on the ground at that time. They loved her. I mean, they had their way with her. She did big favors for them. She'd appear where they wanted her to appear. Marilyn was a puppet to all of these guys and was all during... The primary, all during the election. I mean, she was in love with John F. Kennedy. This, the the story I know, John F. Kennedy. This is how naive Marilyn was. Said, "Be with my brother. I cannot be seen with you for at least a year while I'm first year presidency, and then right after that, I will leave Jackie and marry you." That's how naive she is, and she fell for because again. That's Marilyn, and she loved John. And little did everybody find out till later 
Robert had his way with her because she's that, I, I don't know how to say, because, you know, I, I have such feelings for her. And I got to know her well as a friend, not as a lover. I mean, with our age gap alone. But she just, the only asset she thought was her body. And she, and she shared it with friends and just, you know, Sinatra, Tony Curtis, I can name Marlon Brando. The people that had their way with her. Well, that's a person, Jenny, that, that has no ego and figures she can control everybody with her body. And she was just low esteem, but she thought yeah. all she had to offer you was her body because everybody wanted it. So, but, you know, put yourself in, in the, 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 the Kennedy's places, a place at this day. The first, I, I would think, and this is just conjecture on my part, that they, they at one time had a, a, a connection with the mob, a very close connection through the father, Joe Kennedy. And oh, even yeah. things things were going south at that time because of what Robert Kennedy was doing. Somebody probably said, let's call him, we'll promise them anything, get me out of this, you know, let's separate me from, from this death. And they, they had a laugh at him. <laughs> Are you kidding me? After what you just did to us? So the 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 uh, assumption that that the mob had anything to do with her death or the cover up is absurd. They that, wanted nothing to do sure. with the Kennedys. They wouldn't definite. help the Kennedys. They didn't care about the Kennedys at that point because of what Robert Kennedy was doing to them. So, enter Freddie Otash. Freddie Otash was a Mister Fixit Private Eye. You, you knew him, right, Gianni? Yeah, I knew him. I was in his company several times. I mean, he had such a history in L.A. And, you know, he was for hire. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there was a, uh, a series on HBO. It ended a few years ago called Ray Donovan. Yep. Did you see? Okay. That was modeled after Freddie Otash. He was a fixer. He'd break legs. He'd do what he had to do. Bodies were dropping every now and then. He was one of the few uh, people that was interviewed on film in this documentary they 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 had film of him being oh, wow yeah he's he's in there and i i've never seen the guy i read so much about him but uh he was he, I'm, I'm sure they somebody contacted their their uh their mob friends before that and they were you know showing the door you got to be out of your mind when they're getting involved in this then they went to freddie otash freddie otash goes in is uh, he still the, alive, Freddie Otash? No, 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 no. Oh, this oh. was old. Uh, this was old footage. Oh, I was going to say, 70s. yeah. Uh, he was told to clean the place out, and they they quote this on on the tape. One of the things, well, first of all, they took all the pictures. That was important. You know, there's only one picture that exists today of Marilyn in the bed. No, in the company of JFK and RFK together, the three of them, one picture. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Anthony Summers, has it and he shows it on the documentary. All the pictures were destroyed. Plus, she kept a diary. Who God. has the diary? Marilyn kept a diary. Oh, Freddie yeah. Otash, I, I Freddie thought Otash they said Otash has them. <laughs> well, he took it. He took it. He took everything. And whatever happened to this stuff could be the premise for a good uh, novel, don't you think? I think so. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the FBI was on the scene immediately after she died. So they're there in the morning and not the afternoon. So there was a, there was a, a lot of, uh, lot, quite a lot of cover up here. The fight that they had was supposed to have been so loud that neighbors at the interview, a neighbor, she heard it. 
<laughs> and it's on tape. So you heard Robert Kennedy fighting with Marilyn. I mean, you know, you, you can't, you can't, how do you hide that? They've hidden it all these years. So the question remains, how did she die? You know, we'll never find out who did it, but how, how did she die? If she committed suicide or there was an accidental overdose, well, that's, that's the end of it, really. You know, well, you're not going to look any further. But if she was murdered, you have a whole new case that opened up. Now, uh, we had, uh, as a guest on our show on two or three occasions, how many times we have Mark Shore on the show? Three? Or yeah, two? at least three, I would think. Yeah. Three times. He uh, is on a crusade to get this case reopened. And I didn't know until I, until I saw this documentary, and we've been looking into this, as I said, for a few years, that there was an investor. They reopened it in 1982, and they, they, they found out, if you can call it a, a, a definitive conclusion, that she died of an overdose, whether it was accidental or suicidal, they couldn't say. They're not going to reopen it again. I mean, that's the end of it. Once they, you know, it was case closed. They reopened it because of political pressure. Case closed again. They're not going to reopen it a, a third time. Even if somebody confesses to it, they're not reopening it. So where do we stand now? We found a guy. His uh, uh, very renowned neurosurgeon at the time. His name was Sloan, S-L-O-A-N, Berryman. Lived in L.A. Uh this guy uh, was world-renowned. He was one of the first people to go to Nagasaki after the atom bomb dropped uh, on uh, Nagasaki. That, that was the second bomb. Uh, he was one of the first on, on the ground as a representative of the U.S. Navy to do uh, uh, to examine the people who had survived and w whatever reports he, uh, he, he made. He was the go-to guy. For the, for the federal government. And on uh, August 5th, 1962, the day uh, Marilyn dies, he gets a visit by two Secret Service agents, and they basically whisk him away. Now, he had a family, uh, his wife, kids, four kids. Uh, they saw him, you know, one of the one of the kids uh, answered the door. Secret Service agents identified themselves with their shields, ID cards, the whole bit. Asked for Doctor Berryman. He he's off. He's gone for a couple of days, and he comes back. And this is the information that has never been released. Uh, he was asked after his return, and I can't tell you who asked him uh, at this time until I get permission to do it. What happened? And he said he was very shaken up. And this is a this is a, a doctor. He, he's seen dead bodies before, but uh, he didn't tell anybody where he went. He told this one person. He said, I was there to examine Marilyn Monroe's dead body. And my conclusion was that she was given a hot enema, a hot meaning an overdose of drugs. And that's what killed her. Now, this is if you're going to kill somebody, if you're going to kill them, Mal Monroe, this is the best way to do it. You'll say to yourself, well, this isn't, uh, you know, the, the, if, 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 if the mob was going to kill her, they wouldn't do it that way. They wouldn't do it in her home. The witnesses all over the place. This was a spur of the moment plan that was that was made in my estimation. And well, I you know, know let's let's remind the audience. 
it wasn't spur of the moment. That four hours of thinking out. <laughs> well, that's that's spur of the moment. You got a homicide here of the most famous woman alive, well now dead, and you have to make something up that is is going to uh, be effective for perpetuity. So this was spur of the moment. What do we do? The mob wanted nothing to do with them. If in fact they were called, I think they were. If they got Freddie Otash, who would do anything for money. He cleans the house out, and I'm sure uh, uh, he, he, he she was killed. Either the drugs were administered in the home, but she was talking, yelling about going to the press. So she, um, I would think that she was given the fatal dose in the home, died in the ambulance, and to maintain the, 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 the timeline, they brought her back to the house. And that's that's where it stands. Well, I mean, that, I mean, the, when you try to digest that now and knowing this and what was been said in the past it's it's has to be one guy the attorney it, general that, and you also you know people that are listening to this now say what's the big fuss I mean there the, 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 was a guy who was having an affair his brother was cheating now it's it's nothing everybody does it well everybody always did it but uh, it, it's, it's exposed now people are always getting caught cheating on other people Nobody cares anymore. Back then, 1962, and we had our first Catholic president. If you were around back then, I was, I was young, but uh, I, I, I recall the big uh, controversy about electing a Catholic president. And the, the, the problem was, well, some people thought was, well, he's not going to be his own man. He's going to do whatever the Pope tells him to do, he'll do. This is how naive Americans were back then. So now you've got a, a Catholic president who has this image of the perfect family man playing a uh, touch football with, with his kids in Hyannisport and, you know, Camelot and all that. And to bring this out would have destroyed the Kennedys, would have destroyed his presidency. The history would have been changed because of this. So something has to be done. Uh, well, let's, let's go back to Cal Nevin. What I o- overheard that Saturday night, the Saturday night before she's dead, of what we're talking about, when they had her set up, what Sinatra was supposed to convince Marilyn of doing, to do, was they had her room set up with cameras, like Sam Giancana once did to Jay Hoover, the head of the FBI in Chicago, because they found out he was a cross-dresser, and they set him up. And from that day forward, he denounced that there ever was or denied that there ever was an FBI because they had these... Oh, mafia. Uh, mafia. That there was uh, a... Yeah, I mean, yeah, mafia. And that's how they worked. So Sam Giancana convinced the syndicate this is the one way to get them to do what we need them to do. And, you know... Another thing most people didn't know, over, over almost two years after they never invaded Cuba like they were supposed to, the CIA was working with a guy that I knew very well at the time, Santo Traficante and Johnny Roselli. They were training them because they were close enough, still with Fidel Castro, because they were with Batista and Fidel Castro, and they all lived in Florida at the time, to kill Fidel Castro because they still had to get the casinos back for the mob. 
Because the mob well, never imagine, got paid anything. Well, can you imagine, though, Gianni, if, if this stuff would have gotten out back in the early 60s, uh, you know, between the trying, to, trying to kill uh, a, a, a leader of a foreign country, I mean, there, there would have been, he wouldn't have survived his presidency. On top of that, he's got a dead girlfriend. Well, I know. I mean, I mean, the whole when when it starts to unravel today in today's time, this is like the crime of the century. Or, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and the cover up for all these years. Because I remember that day. I was there already two days. It's a Saturday night. It was twilight, and Sinatra and her went off to the side of the pool. Right, and they have to get get a visual. The pool area for the bungalows was a meeting point. And then you go off to your little bungalows. And that's why everybody liked it, because you could enter Calneva in from California and get walk into the Nevada side, or vice versa. And that's why they used it for so many years. It was a perfect place to set up Robert, and he was there. And unbeknownst to us, and I overheard a screaming that she was done with these Kennedy boys, these Catholics, I'm going to the press, and why she was so depressed, about six to seven weeks prior, she had an abortion for Robert Kennedy, he convinced her, because Ethel already had five or six kids. Him being the attorney general, if she was pregnant with his kid, after she gone with the president of the United States, the Kennedys would have been destroyed politically. Well, so, they this, this was like the perfect storm. Uh, boy, am I screwed between Cuba killing Castro? I mean, you know that 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 killing Castro. This is this is historical fact. This isn't a, a conspiracy theory. Uh, as far as all the other things, it's been mentioned so many times. Circumstantial evidence, yes. However, it's just too much. You know, and uh, and everybody loves a scandal. Now, what we also found in the in the process of finding uh, uh, out about this uh, 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 Dr. Berryman, this uh, neurosurgeon, we found, and we're still looking into this because we're not absolutely one hundred percent sure, but we're pretty close to it, that Marilyn had a daughter out of wedlock that went to a. She had to go to school naturally. I don't think people got homeschooled back then, but. She was going to school under an assumed name. We know what school she went to. Uh, we know where she lived, which is where Marilyn lived. So it's a hell of a coincidence. And we're in the process now of getting the yearbook. Uh, but we're not too sure when she would have graduated. So we have to get several yearbooks. And the witnesses, we have several witnesses that said, yes, she was in that school. Most people knew it was Marilyn's daughter, but... We felt sorry for her, and people kept their mouth shut back then. No one talked. No one ran to the uh, to the paparazzi because there wasn't any paparazzi. That's what I was just going to point out. The most important thing about this, we can't. Anybody that's listened to our show and our, our our assumptions on new facts that we have now, this is not the era we live in today. There was no TNZ. There was none of this stuff that you could just. Photographers would show up, and they were more to know the facts before they'd even say something about it. So and even not, then, they didn't do it. Right, and they went, and this, the Kennedys. Hello. I mean, I mean, it's, uh, uh, gay movie stars wouldn't come out of the closet. Fast forward fifty years, who cares? 
Doing, right. You know, I mean, Rock Hudson hid his sexuality for his entire career. Even when he got AIDS, he still wouldn't admit it. Uh, you know, back then, it, it was you, you just couldn't do it. So we're very close now to getting the yearbooks. And uh, uh, granted, a lot of time has passed. But the, the, the people who we were speaking to were in a school at the same time. So they would be the same age, which would be now early 70s. Uh, well, no, it would be much later than that. Late 80s, I guess. Well, no, she, uh, I, I calculated if she had a daughter... She had to have the daughter prior to she's dead. She's dead Obviously. 60 years. So the daughter could be 63 years old. Well, according to my sources, she, uh, she was a teenager in the 60s. Oh, so wow. that's, the, that's, the premise, that's the premise I'm going on. So what, what we're trying to, you know, what's her name? They, they, they forgot what her name was. Nobody paid attention. It was like going to school on another day. And it was Mal Monroe's daughter, and nobody cared. Not they didn't broadcast it. No one broadcasted it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she didn't let too many people know she was no, Mal no, Monroe's she daughter. Anyway, the person I'm speaking to said, if I saw her picture, I could probably remember that that was her. So we're in the process of trying to find yearbooks. It, it isn't that difficult anymore. Uh, in fact, we're going through classmates who has access to every yearbook ever printed. Uh, Classmates.com. So we're seeing where that goes. And uh, it's it's all circumstantial, you know, all of it. But if we can pin down the daughter, you know, we, we have to take this neurosurgeon's word for it because this is new evidence. It's interesting. It's sexy. Wow, something different. Uh, I can't see why this guy would lie, uh, and considering he was also called upon, as I said, to uh, examine JFK and RFK, which the only, you know, and this, this puzzled me, too. Because he was a neurosurgeon. I can see with JFK uh, but and, and RFK, which is shot in the back of the head. But uh, why did they want to see uh, uh, talk to him about Maryland? The only thing I could figure was his uh, track record with the federal government. They didn't know who to trust, so they went to him. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is where here we are talking about it now. And if all of the... Well, again, me not seeing the documentary... What, how did they end the documentary? How did they leave it? Yeah, you know, that's something else. They ended it very quickly. I was very impressed. I'm very critical of documentaries, as I said. They were very even-handed throughout the entire documentary. It's an hour and four minutes. Uh, she dies about minute 75, I'd say. And then the rest of it is uh, the evidence that we've just presented here, as Anthony Summers presented it, uh, other than what Gianni and I found out uh, very recently. Uh, they leave it suddenly with saying, uh, uh, Anthony Summers says, well, I, I can only determine for lacking any other evidence. And he's right. He, if he's looking at it from an evidentiary point of view, what he has is all circumstantial evidence. She, what's known? She died of an overdose. But how did she come upon, uh, uh, come upon taking that overdose? You don't know. So you have to assume it's either accidental or suicide. That's it. So that's how he leaves it, without anything about murder at all. Uh, they talked to one guy, I think he was an, uh, an ex-police chief or something, he just laughed at the, at, at, at the murder thing. But the guy wasn't around then, so right. who was he to say? Uh, it, it, this is all circumstantial, real evidence of things like fingerprints, blood, uh, even eyewitness testimony is circumstantial. But, you know, you know I, I mean, you're obviously a, 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 you know, a veteran 
detective and everything else. But the thing is, me just being a layman and me being so close to the story, why would he be, why would RFK be there four hours prior arguing with her? Why would he go through all this cover-up if there wasn't some... Something to cover up. Hello. (laughs) What you ask yourself is, just being there, he had to cover up. Because right away the rumors would fly. You also have to ask yourself this. I'm being a a devil's advocate here. Because I think she was killed. Particularly when you get guys like Freddie Otash involved and these type of people. They'll do anything for money. He even said, here's what he's... You have to... You know, I realize you're not going to watch it, but just to see his interview... uh, they asked him, what's his business model? Who does Freddie Otash work for? So Otash says, well, I worked for the White House. I've worked against the White House. I've worked for this guy. I've also worked against this guy. In other words, he's a, he's a mercenary. He just works for yeah, the White House. Yeah, I mean, that Otash, even when you mentioned his name to me, he's for sale. So he's not yeah. credible. Now, even, but he admitted it. No, I, I mean, know, but what I'm saying is who is credible is Robert F. Kennedy. If he had nothing to do with it, and she did take an overdose, why get so involved? Get out. You know, uh, once again, uh, you're thinking back, you know, uh, 57 years ago. Now, well, 60 years now, 1962. Yeah. Just with the fact that he was there and, you know, and then she she dies. And that's why they try to, you know, create some space and distance. If he was discovered there. If somehow somebody saw him or took a picture, they could say, well, he left at 10.30 in the morning. She died at 3.30 in the afternoon. That they, they were trying to create that time and space between it. But even for the fact that he was there, I mean, uh, that, that, that was the kiss of death back then. He's a married man with like 17 kids, whatever the hell he had. <laughs> what did he wound up with, 13 kids? I don't even I'm remember. Serious. No, but the bottom kids. line is to me, again, I get emotional over it because the, the woman was such a, I mean, such a sympathetic low esteemed person being that she was Marilyn Monroe a superstar and for so these ironic. guys do what they did to her I mean that you, you figure you know, the power that woman wielded with her fame and her acting ability she's a great actress and even when you know the, the, the last movie she made was The Misfits uh, her acting chops were, were, were plain and visible on the screen the woman could act no she yeah. was studying she was with she. I mean Lee Strasberg, I mean, she she was studying with everybody. She wanted, I've had those conversations with her. She wanted to be known as a thespian, not a sex symbol. Well, she she wound up being, the last couple of movies that she made, particularly The Misfits, uh, and she was recognized as an actress. That didn't satisfy her. Her ego, well, she had no ego. Her self-esteem was so low. Oh, I know. That the only way she could wield her power, she could just say something. Movies are made. Movies aren't made. Uh, Mal Monroe's in the movie. Everybody wants to invest in it. The power this woman had, and yeah. she never even realized it. She, her power was her body, and everybody knew it. And that they took advantage of it. And after a while, if once again taking the uh, the uh, devil's advocate route, she has this big battle with uh, with uh, Robert Kennedy, and she says, she, "I can't take it anymore." And she takes an overdose. Maybe she gave herself an enema. Who the hell knows? But there was obviously something. The only reason I'd argue with you on that, because she was talking to Joe DiMaggio. They were going to rekindle, get remarried, have a baby. And she was going to do what bothered Joe DiMaggio the most. And it was known early on. 
He hated her being a sex symbol and a sex image. He wanted her to calm down. That's why she was studying. She got a big part on Broadway. She had a legitimate movie coming up. There was no time in her life during this time that she would kill herself. Or, and I, not that I'm not agreeing, but you know, there's, we, we have listeners that have all kinds of ideas spinning in their heads. She has this big knockdown, drag out verbal battle with Robert Kennedy. Who knows what he called her? And she says, I've, I've, I've been screwing these guys, both of them at the same time for years. I'm tired of being passed around. She's on pills. She's drinking. She's at a, a very low point psychologically. She could have killed herself. She could have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, but... the point is, this is a mystery, and when we're, we're, this is never going to be solved. Cause of death uh, is important because you got to get the cause before you can find if there, if there's a bad guy. That famous case in Florida five years ago, Casey Anthony, uh, her, 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 her daughter was missing, winds up dead. She goes on trial, and everybody was flabbergasted that she beat it and was found not guilty. And you know why she was found not guilty? Because no one knew how the kid died. There was no cause of death. There was no listed cause of death. Unknown, if you look on, on a death certificate. How do you convict somebody of murder without a cause of death? So the same thing here. We're halfway there. Let's assume that the information that we found out about the hot enema is true. Now you have to ask yourself, if it's true, circumstantial, but if it's true, there's new evidence, who did it? And it had to be that morning. So I'm sure Robert Kennedy doesn't walk around with a with a, an enema in his pocket. But one of his people has a lot to lose here. She opens up her mouth and they heard this argument. Maybe she was going through a phone, something. After all, she's found face down on, on a bed. But then, then again, they just tossed her on the bed after they got her out of the hospital. Out of the ambulance. I mean, the, out of the ambulance. I'm saying that. I mean, well, again, it's it's a. I'm, I'm, you know, in a way, I'm glad we're finding out new things. Uh, for closure, you know, even even uh, Mark Shaw said, you know, we should try to get her death certificate overturned. But even no, with no. what you're saying, it's not going to happen. No, never. You know, there would be a scintilla, a, a little bit of a chance if it wasn't already reopened in 1982, and they they found the same thing. What are they going to? contradict themselves again no no and i don't care if you had a confession that wouldn't reopen without supporting evidence so in in closing then i mean obviously i i hope and and she's willing the daughter to talk to us we we i would never disclose i know you wouldn't either no let's get get some closure she has to have something to say I tell you, we're very close. If I can get a, a yearbook, and I'm sure I can, that the yearbooks are out there, providing the school had a yearbook, and I'm, I'm sure this was, a, this was in, the, in, in the 60s. Most schools had yearbooks. And somebody can remember that far back and can point out the picture. We're well, right the, one, the, one, the one kid that you talked to without giving up his name, but yeah, he went to school with her. So. He, well, his brother did. Okay. Uh, he was a couple of good. Well, they both went to the same school. His brother was was friendly with her, but he does know the the house that she lived in. He does know the address, but there's a landmark across the street from the house that he's familiar with. He says she lived right across the street from from this business. I won't mention the business. Uh, so we know it. We 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 know where she lived supposedly, 
but obviously she's not there anymore. And the place probably turned over 40 times since then. But these are things, you know, you take it piece by piece, step by step. And we're getting we're getting closer. That's but why I love never, working with you. <laughs> this, you know, for me, for me, this is fun. You know, yes. I watch Dateline and I criticize all these detectives. Why the hell did you think I'm talking to a television? My wife thinks I'm nuts. <laughs> but anyway, this is this is part of the game. And but we'll never find out who did it unless we find something on paper. Her diary uh, would mean an awful lot. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we know what we have to do now. <laughs> we know what we have to do now. So I, this, this was interesting. What do you think? Something different, right? I think this is perfect for everything. Yeah. We got. I mean, this show, and I want to thank, on the air, I want to thank Chris Russo, because he helped promote the show. He's became mm -hmm. a fan with us, and, he, and he's sharing his audience with us, which Pat and I want to... Thank you publicly for, for all your help yeah. and anybody else out there. But you right now are our unsung hero because you can yeah, take this to other He's doing us a solid. Right and, and for our 50,000 uh, listeners out there, if you have any ideas, if you want to bring up this subject, when you know we, we get emails all the time. We, we don't have time to, to read any tonight, though. But, uh, you know, come up with an idea. If you, if you have something... Maybe you live in Southern California. Maybe you heard something. Maybe your grandfather told you something. You never know. You just never know. And that said, any ideas for shows that you have, we did one last week, which will be on, I think, uh, well, it was on. It was on last week about the NYPD in the 60s and 70s. We love hearing from you. You know, hit us with your show ideas. We like it. All right. That's it. Well, another great show. Thank you all for tuning in. And as Pat just advised you, Come up with the ideas, man. Mail them in. We'll do it. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay John. You have a good night, and good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, Pat. Thank you. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid. You can call me. Maybe it's late, but Thank just you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.